Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Let Me Tell You a Story. I'm your host, Sinead DeFries, and I am joined once again by my boyfriend, Mr. Nils Davey. Hello. Hi, babe. Are you excited for the finale, the resolution to this crazy, crazy story? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My feet smell. Is that why you're being... Yeah, I can. They stink. Yeah. Why do they smell like wet? They are wet. Look. Ew. (laughs) Oh my God, they stink. Yeah, they're damp. So last week, I told you about a messy divorce, a murder, and two really dumbass hitmen, as well as two other dumbass criminals. So babe, let me tell you a story about what the hell happened next. Are you ready? Can you recap me, though? Oh, yeah. Quick? Yeah, I will. I start with a little recap. Okay. If you'll recall, all four dummies were charged and convicted in the murder of Howard Witkin, including his ex-wife Judith's new husband, Bob Singer, the alleged mastermind behind the entire murder-for-hire plot. So we left off with Bob Singer, now in jail for murder, finding out his beloved wife, Judith, had been engaged in a sexual affair with his very own defense attorney, William Melcher. That's right. And That's Melcher, right. Melcher's defense was he can't get a boner. That's right. But he can. He's got boners. <laughs> so William Melcher and Judith allegedly had this affair during uh, Bob Singer's first trial that ultimately ended in a mistrial when the jury could not come to a verdict. When the trial ended, supposedly, so did the affair. But it started right back up again during Singer's second trial, the trial in which he was finally convicted for murder. When the news came out, Singer now had the ammunition to ask for a new trial. After all, if his own defense attorney was getting it on with his wife, it could easily be argued that's probably not the best defense. It's going for a three-peat. Yeah. Mm. I found an Associated Press article from July of 1986 detailing the hearing that took place in order to decide whether or not Singer would receive a new trial. According to the article, it was on day three of that hearing that William Melcher testified and flat out denied ever having an affair with Judith. According to William, he was impotent and had been since 1978. AP reported, quote, The disclosure elicited gasps from the courtroom, spectators, and apparent astonishment from one of Singer's attorneys, Patrick Hallinan, who buried his head in his hands, end quote. Can you imagine just being someone in that courtroom? And he's like, listen, I haven't been able to do that since 1978. And you're just sitting there being like, oh, this this is your defense, huh? You're really going for it. The fact that the AP said <laughs> people were gasping, like what? That is insane. I admire the stones, though, of that defense. I do. I mean, it would be the easiest way to deny an affair. It's just so stupid to say it when it's not true. And it's also <laughs> so, like, brazen and for the time, too, you know? Well, that's why everyone's like, oh, they're like, oh, heavens to Betsy. He's, he's talking about his, <laughs> his, his, his genitals. His manhood. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. 
Melcher had been on the defense since allegations of, of the affair had first surfaced, and he continued to claim that it was all an attempt to raise doubt if Singer were to be convicted. He also claimed that love letters that had been found allegedly addressed to him from Judith were planted, perhaps even by his own secretary. He also went on to say that Bob had allegedly told him that he and Judith were working on a way to save him if he was found guilty and that they would also divorce in order to make that plan look less suspicious. And like I briefly mentioned last week, they they did end up divorcing. This is true. Well, just wait. Bob's, yeah. Because okay. when I was reading it, I was like, this all seems like... Things that happened. (laughs) Perhaps the most interesting part of Melcher's claims were that Singer had allegedly told him that if Judith decided not to carry out her part of their plan to clear his guilt, he would turn around and point the finger right back at her, essentially implicate her in Howard Witkin's murder. And, well, that is also exactly what happened. So truly, this came down to a who-do-you-believe type of situation. He said, she said. He said, he said. The courts ultimately decided, we believe, Singer. Apparently, Singer's attorneys had raised serious doubts about William Melcher's alleged impotency because they had gone through his medical records. And they found that he had received medical attention for a sexually transmitted (laughs) disease. And Melcher had previously claimed that he got his wean deactivated years before he received this medical attention. So... How are you going to get a sexually transmitted disease if your wiener doesn't work? He said he had it. In 78. He's like, I've been impotent in 78. Yeah. I thought you were going to say they found his medical records and he was treated for a raging boner that wouldn't quit for like four days. Well, that would have been even better. (laughs) He's lying. Look, he had a boner. He had a boner. (laughs) A medical one. (laughs) Right. The date of your vasectomy doesn't seem like something you'd forget or confuse when it's literally your defense. You know, you're probably going to make sure that you got that right. But a vasectomy doesn't make you not have boners. So I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Does it? It doesn't. It just makes you... Makes you shoot. Duds. But I guess apparently... <laughs> it makes you shoot duds, <laughs> yeah. Not true. It does. It's dust. Oh, dust. <laughs> I thought you said duds. No, but that, that is true. <laughs> Shoot dust. Uh, it's like... Sand. Oh, God, gross. Apparently, his wife had also testified that said that after his vasectomy, I don't know if something went wrong, but he had, like, no libido. But even though the court did agree that there was definitely a conflict of interest, they denied the appeal Ooh. for a new trial. Ooh. So the case went to the appeals court. And after years of the legal nightmare that goes down when you're appealing a case, especially a murder case, the appeals court ultimately granted Bob Singer a new trial. A Los Angeles Times article dated December 14, 1990, printed appellate justice Jerome A. Smith's ruling, quote, the defendant's attorney was involved in an affair, which introduced deception and duplicity into the advocate-client relationship, which by definite must be grounded in trust and fidelity. End quote. It was a 3-0 decision in favor of a new trial for Bob, so clearly nobody was really buying Melcher's impotency defense. And Melcher responded to the ruling telling the LA Times, quote, These allegations remain totally unfounded and untrue. I devoted monumental energy to his defense. So how many years went by? So How many years went by on appeals? Bob Singer is convicted in 1982. The first conviction. The first time. That was his second trial. Right. 
but first conviction. Then in 1986, he takes this to the court saying, look, 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 they were having an affair. Give me a new trial. And they're like, "Hmm, yeah, conflict of interest, but it didn't affect your defense attorney's ability to defend you. So no new trial. Then this new trial is finally granted by an appeals court in 1990. So four years. Four years. So what was he saying over those four years? Like how much shit was he talking on his wife, ex-wife? He, at this point, wasn't saying that he had anything to do with it. What I read was that he continued to deny his part in it at all. So if he was going to implicate somebody else, how is he going to implicate somebody else without implicating himself? And up until that point, he still remained So he was still protesting his innocence. Yeah, he's like, what? The, Gary Oliver and Andrew Granger, they did that all on their own. I got to say, though, like, Will Billy... William Billy Melcher. Bill Melcher, William, yeah. Yeah. That is like an amazing back pocket defense strategy. If you were really committed to getting your client off, if you did fabricate an affair with his wife at the time to get a mistrial, that's like some pretty method. <laughs> yeah, so he could be the silent hero, <laughs> get taken off the case. He just really lose, believes. Yeah, it's like, get taken off the case, <laughs> is branded like a untrustworthy lawyer who apparently has sex with his defendants or his clients, like spouses, just because that's how much he wanted to get yeah, involved. That's how much he cares about justice. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think that's what <laughs> happened. I don't think lawyers are that method. You would, You don't think he would have sex with someone else's wife for justice? No. I think Billy would. I don't know about that, babe. <laughs> the LA Times also went into a bit more detail about those love letters that had served as evidence. And apparently these letters were written with code names. The Times say that Melcher was referred to as... Limp dick. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> the Cowboy and Sharp Spurs. Ugh. And Judith was the princess. Jesus Barf. Christ. <laughs> now, as lame as that sounds, the article also printed some of the letters. So get ready. Okay? I don't know. I don't one, know if I want to hear this. <laughs> one letter read, quote, My darling, as our animal friends might say, you make my quill Quiver. Fuck off. Hump hatch. Wings wiggle. Tail tingle. <laughs> beak blister. Hind quarters heat. Antennas active. Pouch puff. How long does this go on for? <laughs> what? The eggs hatch. <laughs> There's nothing sexy about this. <laughs> As our animal friends might say maybe they i don't know uh also <laughs> also beak blister that Hind is quarters heat well at least that's a sexual reference beak blistering okay that's the just like cooking one... a duck <laughs> <laughs> the worst one by far pouch puff yeah i'd given up by that point that's the last thing that is said pouch puff you make my pouch puff all right anyways moving on <laughs> So Bob Singer, who was incarcerated at San Quentin, could now return to San Jose and await his new trial. But Bob Singer had plans, big plans. And that led to two words, plea deal. Are you excited for Bob Singer's plea deal? Can Uh, you take your stink toes off my clothes? I (laughs) I want to hear the juice for sure. 
So for a lesser sentence, Bob Singer agreed to testify against, according to him, the real mastermind behind Howard's murder, Mm. his cheating ex-wife, Judith. With a new star witness in their corner, authorities honed in on Judith, and in 1991, she was arrested. It would take three years for Judith to finally face a jury, now charged with first-degree murder. I read that she worked real hard to fight extradition, but eventually the system will come for you. Wait, extradition from what? Michigan. She had moved back to Michigan, remember? So she moved back to Michigan after Bob goes to jail. Then she divorces him. And I also read that she had sent him a report card in prison and she gave him grades on like... Being a husband? Yes. Two months after that report card, she filed for divorce. And she was like, hey, I just think that it's really unfair for the kids. Like all good arguments. And he like agreed. He's like, yeah, they deserve to know a father. They already lost one. I'm in jail. So yeah, you should move on, get some normalcy, whatever. And then after that, not long after that, a couple years go by, and then he finds out that she was screwing Melcher. Yeah, see, she was all high and mighty when, Mm -hmm. what's his name, was like gambling and doing cocaine. And yet she's humping everybody, dude. She cheated on her husband with Bob Singer. Allegedly. And then she boned Billy Melcher, whose dick doesn't even work. Allegedly, but the courts, the courts say definitely, so I think we're allowed to say that. Um, yeah, no, it's so true, though, because it just kind of seems like either this woman is the most unlucky person in love and life, or she's a narcissist and doesn't really care about anybody else but herself. It's just wild, because you're right. She was all about that straight-edge life. And uh, then she's screwing her attorney. Apparently, also, her and Melcher decided to go into law together, and they were going to do all these things. I think I might have briefly mentioned that last week. Animal law? (laughs) (laughs) Bird law. Oh, gross. (laughs) So, like I said, eventually the system comes for you, and in 1994, the trial finally began. But, of course, it wouldn't really begin, let's be real, until Bob Singer took the stand, and he was ready to tell all... About his ex. Mm. Apparently, Judith's trial was also the first time that Bob actually publicly admitted his role in the murder. Like I said, he'd been denying it up until then. At his own trial, he was like, nah, I didn't have anything to do with these dumb kids that killed Howard. But this time, he fessed up to all of it. Yes, he hired Gary Oliver, who then recruited his friend Andrew Granger. And yes, he did help facilitate the murder. But no, it was absolutely not his idea to kill Howard. It had never been. The entire plot started with Judith, and according to Bob, she literally would not shut up about it. She went on and on and on and on and on about it until eventually Bob was like, oh my God, okay, woman, leave me alone, I'll do it. (laughs) I can picture their conversation like, hey, Judy, how was your day? And she's like, well, my ex is still alive, so what do you think? (laughs) Clearly, you don't want me to be happy. Yeah, I mean, look, the original original motive of... He's a bad guy selling drugs. Didn't really, like, <laughs> didn't really work for me. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? He sells drugs to kids. <laughs> Stop. Like, seriously, your feet, your feet, your feet look like you've been to war. <laughs> I can't. They're so crusty. Mm-hmm. I got to fix those for you. He's like, she just nagged me about it. It was, she was relentless. She wouldn't stop. She was a nag. And he was probably like, oh my God, get me out of this house. I'm just going to go ahead and (laughs) get myself caught. Pay some guy to drive across America to kill 
my wife's ex-husband because yeah. she's a nag. She just won't leave me alone. Yeah, no, I understand Yeah. It. So it seemed like Judith's fate was already sealed. There were just too many details in Bob's testimony, and also his testimony was really damning. And the prosecution also had apparently two other witnesses who testified to overhearing Judith literally implicating herself in the plot. And it was all enough for the jury to find Judith guilty of murder in the first degree. And at sentencing, the judge did not hold back. And I can imagine that this community is probably so sick of these people. Yeah. It's been so long. You've had multiple trials. Then you had an appeal for a new trial. Then that's denied. Then it goes to, it's like, please, can we just serve justice and get these people out of my courtroom? Yeah. The prosecution in California, you can be charged with, or you can be sentenced to life without parole or death for first degree murder at this time. Is death still a thing in California? They just sentenced someone to death. But I think I think Akala was sentenced to death. They just don't ever execute anyone. So you right. get sent to death row, and you're treated like a death row prisoner. So you're put in like essentially solitary, right? But you don't. They don't execute. No, the uh, Golden State Killer. You'd think if they had motive to kill anybody, it would be the Golden State Killer. What is that? I don't know. That's not good. Maybe that's when I spilled all that beer on the computer. Maybe. So the prosecution didn't even seek the death penalty. Maybe they thought this is all for her. Mm. For this is all hearsay. We want to just make sure we get this. If a jury knows that, ooh, she's they're seeking the death penalty, they might not convict. Right? They just know? like get this woman there's, off the street. Right? There's no. Yeah. I mean, this is there's no DNA evidence or anything like that. The murder happened in what the early eighties, eighty one or something. So they're just like, okay, let's just seek life without parole, and that is exactly what she gets. She gets life without parole, and with that, it finally seemed like justice had been served for Howard Witkin. But then, no man, in two thousand eighteen, then Governor Jerry Brown commuted Judith's sentence from life without parole to twenty seven years to life, and with that decision. She was now eligible for parole. I guess at the time, Jerry Brown had actually commuted the sentences of 150 yeah, people. Yeah, he was doing a lot of that. Was, yeah. yeah. And he basically was like, this woman's old. <laughs> she is doing fine. She's getting to an age now where it's like, is she really going to be uh, whatever on menace, society? Menace a to menace society. to society. And apparently she was absolutely monumental in the first bat mitzvah, mitzvah ever held in a prison. Great work. Judith. I know. Claps for you, girl. But she did, like, a bunch of courses. She took classes on, like, relationships. Yeah, she's a fucking busybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently she was just really great at prison culture, mm -hmm. prison community. So the following year, in June of 2019, Judith Barnett, formerly singer, made her way into quite possibly the most important meeting of her life by way of a wheelchair. Judith was elderly, frail. Lupus, debilitating back pain, and hearing loss had taken their toll on the convicted murderer. Mm. Still, all eyes were on Judith as she entered the quiet room and came face to face with the very people who could change everything the parole board. Over the two and a half hours, Judith explained that at the time of Harold's murder, the two had been in a heated battle of that damn houseboat trip, <laughs> which we already know from last week's episode, right? 
But Judith went on to explain how her frustrations with Harold had carried over into her marriage with Bob Singer, making it very clear over and over again how frustrated she was with her ex-husband. And just, you know, she was like, I just kept complaining to him, blah, blah, blah. She told the parole board, quote, I screamed and hollered and slammed doors, end quote, before fessing up to be, quote, a true psycho Barbie, end quote. The fact that she refers to herself as a Barbie even a true psycho Barbie, but still a Barbie kind of speaks a little bit to how she views herself. Like she views herself as a very prim and proper young lady, you know? Yeah. Honestly, like she just seems like that type of woman. She's really annoying. Yeah. She's like, listen, I, it's true. I complained about him a lot. You know, I was, I was a a psycho Barbie. Like if I was listening to that, I'd be like, what? Also like, oh yeah, it's my new marriage, but I'm going to, Slam, what was it? Slam doors and yell about my ex-husband? She's like, I screamed, I hollered, I slammed doors. Yeah, she's annoying. Yeah, she's super annoying. Fucking Judith. But that's it. That's literally all she said. Not once throughout the entire hearing did Judith ever admit guilt in the murder of her ex. When asked if she ever wished Howard dead, Judith responded saying, quote, I didn't want him killed. I just wanted the situation fixed. I was not part of his plan to have Howard killed, end quote. She wanted Howard to take a long walk off a short pier. Oh my God, funny you say that, <laughs> all right? In the Silicon Valley voice, they also quoted her telling the parole hearing something I found to be very, very interesting. Quote, I do a lot of things like say things like, I wish somebody would take a long walk off a short Ooh, pier. I can't it. deny saying that. Now, isn't it funny that completely without relation to what we know Kevin McCarthy had said Bob Singer said that night that they went to the Aladdin or whatever, that Judith says that out of her own, tells the parole board. And one might argue that maybe Bob Singer had heard that so much. That's where he learned his street lingo. That's where he learned his really hard criminal slang. I mean, I'm not saying that because I don't want to get sued, but one may argue that he got it from his ex. It's such a specific thing to say, and it's so lame. <laughs> I was making a joke. That's so funny. I know, but wow. it's so lame that it's like, is that just a coincidence? Maybe they both were just two. They're definitely nerds. Nerds. Like Jesus nerds. Not Jesus nerds. Who is it? God. <laughs> it's God. Ugh, all the Jewish people just turned off yeah, our podcast. We got it. We got to delete this entire thing. Oh, man. <laughs> After careful consideration, the parole board decided that Judith Singer no longer posed a danger to society. Commissioner Pete LeBon proclaimed, quote, she simply has no propensity for physical violence. Again, I blame her saying, well, I used to say things like. Wow. She's also in a wheelchair. Yeah, she has lupus. And she held the first bat mitzvah in prison. Like, how dangerous could this woman really be? I mean. Mm. Apparently, she may have murdered her ex-husband, so... She didn't murder him. Well, I mean, conspiracy to commit murder is... There's a reason why it's the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) With that announcement, Judith dropped her head into her hands and began sobbing. She was officially free. Okay, well, she would be free after the 120-day review period passed, so apparently during that time, recently elected Governor Gary Newsom could have reversed the parole board's decision. But the days passed with no reversal, and then on October 16th, 2019, Judith stepped out of prison and became a free woman. Mm. 
While Judith was certainly happy, her very own daughter was horrified that her mother was out in society again. Marie Whitkin told the Silicon Valley Voice, quote, My father doesn't have a life and she shouldn't be having a life either, end quote. So clearly at least one of Judith and Howard's children ultimately believed that their mother was guilty of their father's murder. And maybe it wasn't just Marie. In an NBC Bay Area article, Marie, who was adopted, by the way, I don't, I'm not sure if that ever came up in any of the research last week, no. but um, it's, it's talked about a lot in the later articles. And then in the snapped episode about this case on oxygen, Marie talks about being adopted by Howard and Judith when she was like six years old. Anyway, she's quoted saying, I hope that Judy goes on and lives her life, and I hope she stays clear from the family because none of us want anything to do with her. End quote. Strong words. It's a burn when you don't even call their them like mother. She's like, I hope Judy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So that relationship might be as good as gone, but Judith's life continues. She had told the parole board that if released, she hoped to return to Michigan, find a job. She just wanted to be part of society again. I read that she first relocated to Fresno and lived with a friend who had visited her in prison often. No idea if this was a person she met while in prison or a friend from her past that continued to support her while she was incarcerated. But after Fresno, I've never seen anything else about it. And I searched everywhere. After Fresno, she, there's no she went off the grid. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's just a normal person mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Thanks to his plea deal, Bob Singer was sentenced to 25 years to life, way less than his initial life sentence, and he was released in 2004. Okay. So I think just about at 25 years. So what was going on in 2004? That was a really long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What happened the year Bob Singer got out of prison? Oh, here we go. Facebook launched. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce won her first Grammy as a solo artist. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck broke up. Oh, it's come full circle. It really has. And then she married Mark Anthony the same year. Friends ended. Friends ended. Big year for you. It really was. And we said we couldn't remember anything. Well, now you say it, I can remember all those things, but I could never have said that so 2004. No. Like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it the year that J-Lo and Ben Affleck <laughs> broke up? <laughs> right. So I did a little bit of research and was able to clear up some things about the other guys, okay? So Gary Oliver mm. had also taken a plea. Something that wasn't really reported that much until some of the more recent articles. But apparently he had pled guilty to solicitation to murder. And he landed a six-year sentence. Six years. That's it. Even though he traveled across the country procured the car provided the gun because remember they they gave away their new gun and they used his gun doesn't that seem wild six years but i guess they needed his testimony because it was more important to get andrew granger behind bars i guess so he landed a six-year sentence but he was really well behaved in prison (laughs) such a good boy i know so 80s that he was released after serving only two years. What? <laughs> two years is all it took for Gary Oliver to start serving his prison sentence, show that he was like a really well-behaved <laughs> prisoner, and then get released. So by the time that Bob Singer was petitioning the court for a retrial when the affair broke out, mm-hmm. that's 86. Mm. He'd already been out of jail for two years. Yeah, it's wild. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And like the, at that point, 
the alleged mastermind hadn't even been named, you know? It's insane. Poor Andrew Granger. (laughs) So first of all, when I read a bunch of stuff last week when I was doing research and a little bit today, Andrew Granger was so naive that there was multiple articles I read where he had written letters home and saying like, hey, they're taking really good care of me. And he like enjoyed talking to the police, like gearing up for his trial and everything. Which is the guy that was a high school dropout that worked in the restaurant. That was Gary Oliver. That was Gary Oliver. Andrew Granger was Gary Oliver's friend, but Andrew Granger was also Andrew, just another young, but dumb that was, kid. That was the guy that shot him he was 17 only, times. Yeah. Right. But he was also one that like drove the car into the ditch, had to go get his comb from Kmart. Uh, these guys. So he still can't catch a break. He was first convicted in 1981 with his co-conspirators. Being the trigger man is the difference, and it truly does show in Granger's attempts and failures to be granted parole. He actually became eligible back in 2005. When he did request parole, he was flat out denied. His second attempt for parole happened in 2019. And again, he was denied for a period of seven years. So his next parole hearing is 2026. What? I don't know why it was specifically stated that the second attempt, he was denied for a period of seven years. I don't know if that's how it works every single time. Well, you said he applied in 2005, right? Well, he first became eligible in 2005. I think somewhere between that, he had applied for parole But then he didn't try again until 2018. Then he didn't. So it sounds like there is a Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure there is a gap. I just didn't know it was a strict seven years. I thought it was like every year you can apply. I don't think so. I do think I do think there is a time limit. The guy was dumb as rocks, dude. Like, yeah, but there are is absolutely nothing about Andrew Granger, and I think that's actually kind of insane because obviously this the trial the story became more about Judith. I just feel like it it became a salacious story because obviously she has sex with a defense attorney. Turns out she was the one behind it. There's too many twists and turns and people care about that a lot more than like the guy who pulled the trigger and got convicted. You know? I mean, in a sense, he's not that interesting. No, he's not, I guess. And, you know, don't kill people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, 2026 will be the next time that he is even allowed to go before a parole board. It's a long time. And Gary Oliver has been out since 1984. What about Home Slice? What's his name? The Tim? Uh, Macholek or whatever. His name was like Tom. 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 I was close. There's literally nothing. There's nothing. It said in every single article, it said he was charged and convicted. But if Gary Oliver got out after two years, Tom's would be like, eh, time served. (laughs) How long have you been in custody? Two months? You're fine. Like, it's wild to me. If Gary Oliver got out after two years, Tom Macholek drove them there. Yeah. Gary Oliver drove across the country. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's very weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe they needed those testimonies from these other two people to really make sure that Bob Singer and Andrew Granger were convicted. Yeah, so that's kind of where things end. With all of these people. So was the whole motive for life insurance? So at the parole hearing, there was somebody arguing against it because, like, there has to be somebody arguing against it, apparently. And the people arguing it against it, the prosecutor was like, listen, she has still never admitted guilt. And she thought she was going to get a life insurance payout. So there are still people that do believe that was always the 
motive. What else is the motive? Like, there is no other motive. Yeah, because it's really hard. He sells drugs to kids? It's bullshit. No, I mean, that was a a lie Bob Singer said. I thought nobody knew he had drugs until he died, and they found a sock full of cocaine. So, like, Judith is really the only person that probably knew, right? No, because when they found all the cocaine, they went to his friends, and all of his friends were like, yeah, no, he sold it. Bob Singer doesn't know that. So the only way for Bob Singer to know that is if Judith told him. Right. Like, why did Bob Singer even wait that long to say it's this woman? Yeah, and it's like, could this man have really just been trying to protect <laughs> his ex-wife? And then once he found out that she, she was, was cheating. cheating. So, like, it was true love, but then for him. Yeah, and he he wanted her to be happy, maybe. Like, ultimately... It was still his decision to carry it out. Yeah, it is wild. She must have been real good. Because he wasn't mad enough to implicate her when she divorced him. But maybe he was just like, yeah, you should. You should move on with your life. And then he was like, wait a second. You're screwing the defense attorney? Like, no way, bitch. You're going down now. Yeah. Judith seems, okay. Judith seems like the ultimate charmer of a woman. Even reading the journalist who wrote the book on this case, even reading her testimonies from how Judith was, like she'd always walk like sunglasses, pearls. She was always smiling and greeting everybody. She was very gracious, you know? She was just like a perfect woman. And she was very involved in her community. And like, look what she does in prison. She's part of like reforming prison culture at Chowchilla. (laughs) Like, it's just insane to me that this woman somehow maintained, you know, whether or not it's a facade or not, that if that was her personality, I mean, like, but like, that was just who she always was. Right. And they even said, like, when Bob Singer was ultimately convicted, the journalist said she watched Judith just start her shoulders shaking just so, you know... But then I read afterwards that the journalist said then they went outside and the press hearing following the conviction... Judith was like laughing and smiling and talking about how her and William Melcher were going to do law together. And is then they were like, what the hell? Is like, she like a sociopath? Like, or? or she just never cared, you know? And the fact that she obviously knew she was going to divorce Bob Singer, but then she still sent him that report card grading on him and giving him excellent marks on being a good husband. And then within a couple months, she divorces him. Like, it's almost like, is this just how she lives her life. Yeah, I think that's who she is. So then I feel like she might be one of the more terrifying people ever. Yeah, no. That's way scarier to think about. If you know you're going to divorce your husband, he's in prison, you want to mess with him even more? At the press hearing later that day, the journalist is like, I literally looked around at the other journalists and they were all, I think she quote, she was quoted saying like slack jawed. Like they were all like, what the hell is happening here? Why is this woman laughing and smiling as if she's announcing her, her career change into law and not talking about the fact that her husband was just convicted of murder, the murder of her ex-husband. Ah, dude, it's very, very crazy. What happened to Kevin McCarthy, the Irish, the Irish guy? (laughs) Um... I don't know. I looked him up, couldn't find anything on him. Uh, I feel like when you're this heavily involved in something happened in the 80s. He was my favorite, though. I know. Because he was like, what the fuck? This is stupid. Yeah. And then it took him (laughs) so long to finally be like, 
maybe, <laughs> maybe he hired this guy. I should probably go to the police. Um, I think that if you were this close to a murder case in the 80s, I wouldn't be surprised if you worked very hard to keep that a secret. Because you can actually run away from things. I guess. When before news took over. Yeah, when before news took over. But I also think, like, he didn't do anything wrong. He actually actually did everything right. He got free drinks at the Aladdin. He listened to fucking Bob Singer's stupid... Yeah. Tough talk. But why and, did he why did he get free drinks and why did he listen to his? Because well, he, he just, initially said listen, Sure, I'll help you kill that listen. guy. Dude, Jeremy called me one time and was like, I'm spying on my ex-girlfriend because I think she's pregnant. Please buy some binoculars and come to the park. And I was like, This sounds great. Oh, I'm definitely so gonna great. do this. Mm-hmm. And then we did. And we sat in the park with binoculars and stared at her house until she left. And then we jumped in his car and then we trailed her and then he lost her because he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, this is the best day ever. This is like the most fun I've ever had. So was she pregnant? I, he, we didn't get close enough to tell. <laughs> you guys are the worst <laughs> spies ever. <laughs> yeah, but I did get to spend a whole day in a park in Downey staring at a building through binoculars, feeling like super cool. I feel like you're literally implicating yourself in a crime here. I think that's his baby. He was like, what do you Maybe see? Maybe that's his baby now. <laughs> I know he's got one. <laughs> But that might be someone else. I don't know. It'd be funnier if she said she wasn't and he thought she was. That might have been how it was. Because you know he was just panicked. He was like, oh my God, do you have binoculars? Yeah, I had to buy them off of Craigslist. It was an emergency. And then we were sitting there at a bench, like across the park. And then there's her apartment. We're watching the doors, hanging around. And all like this crazy guy just kept walking around us. And he came up to me and was like, are you going to kill her? <laughs> like straight off the bat. Like nothing else. Like that was the first thing he said. And, I was and just you were like, like are, I was you? Like, are you? <laughs> is that how you approach people in the park? Like what are you doing in the park? Dude, that could have been what? a serial killer. That's just how people roll in Downey, dude. After that day, I did come home. Then do at least an hour's worth of internet research on like how to become a private eye. And it's like, don't bother. It's really difficult. <laughs> He said, you bought binoculars. <laughs> he kept the binoculars. Oh, this Because he story, was going to stalk us some this more. This story you know? is, yeah, this story is definitely <laughs> creepy and I have a lot of issues with it. It was his pregnant or not pregnant ex-girlfriend. <laughs> also, the story is very questionable. <laughs> and you, like, you may or may not have encountered a murderer, but I do like the endearingness of the fact that you did that and then told yourself maybe I could do this for a living. This is amazing. And then And then I looked it up and they're like, you need five hundred practical hours. Yeah. Signed by someone else. So it's like you either have to like like, be a volunteer. I already gave away my binoculars. (laughs) Like that was thirty minutes. And we lost her. (laughs) You lost her in a building? No, she was driving. Oh I see. She came out of the building. We saw her and we we got really excited. Right? Because we're like, something just happened after like waiting for two hours or whatever, right? So then I'm like, quick, we got to get in the truck. So we run back to the truck, manage to somehow get in front of her. That's the worst thing you can do if you're trying to tail someone. (laughs) That's my pro tip. (laughs) That's my. If you're trying trying to follow somebody, (laughs) don't get in front of them. (laughs) Make sure you're in the right position to be following them. (laughs) I don't know how he did it. If you're following someone, don't get ahead of them. Especially in a car. I feel like we have to scratch his name from this record. No, I think it's, it's getting I think creepier. they have a kid together. Remember? 
<laughs> this whole story is insane. You will not like Jeremy's political views. Oh, no. Does he not care if I get oh, vaccinated either? Oh, he doesn't believe in vaccination at all. He doesn't believe in the police. <laughs> he's, he's not like anti-police. He's like, there should be zero police. Oh, I, I, I bet you meant like he doesn't believe in the existence <laughs> of them. He's like, the post office shouldn't exist. Oh, no. He's one of those. Oh, yeah. He's like full libertarian. One of those people who's like self-governing. Oh, yeah. He's like a sovereign citizen. Oh, no. Yeah, he's terrible. But if you're a sovereign citizen listening... Fuck off. <laughs> Get a life, you fucking loser. <laughs> Ryan, why did you say that? It's <laughs> uh, funny. That's really funny. Mm. I'll be sure to keep an eye out for these people. Just because I would like to know what Gary Oliver did in his later years... Um, so if anything ever comes up and I have any more, you know, things to report on his life, I will do that. Yeah, if you're Gary Oliver, write in to yeah. the show. Yeah, so that's the end of the saga. And uh, obviously, a really, really sad and prolonged journey to justice for this man who died. Because <sighs> some loser told two dumb kids that he sold drugs to kids. Do you think about, like, crimes? You're like, oh, everything has to go right for this to happen. Like, it's yes. so difficult. Right. But actually, like, in this one, everything went wrong and it everything still happened. Everything went wrong and it still happened. So basically, my takeaway is it's easy to kill people. It is easy to kill people. But even back then, it's not easy to get away with it. That's, yeah, which is good. I do feel bad for what's Howard. I know he was, like, all depressed and shit because mm -hmm. he lost Judith. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... You know, I feel like he was, he would have made a comeback. Absolutely. He had a lot of good interests, gambling, drugs, Corvettes. He sounded like a cool guy. He sounded like a righteous cool guy. He really was a good dad. Like he still. I mean, dude, he wanted to take his whole family on, on a, a houseboat. houseboat. Yeah. Yeah. And like to, he would fly to Michigan to do it. Yeah. 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 It's really sad. Um, okay. So as promised, before we get out of here, I wanted to shout out all the people that gave us reviews. So we have C. Baker Girl who says, as someone who has never listened to true crime podcasts, this has me hooked. Can't wait for the next one. First review. Congratulations, C. Baker, Baker Girl. Girl. You will forever be our first review. Yeah, Baker and C. Cookies. C. Baker Girl. I don't know. Maybe she's from Seattle. Seattle Baker Girl. Oh, maybe. I'm going for that. You love Seattle. Seahawks. Yep. Come on. Um, she's like, um, hey, I'm not from Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, fuck uh, off. The next review came from K Diddy Do. Then we have Christina, Cassie Million, um, Kate Magoo, and Not Calm. Not Calm. Seems like for someone who's not calm, this review is very nice. All right, you guys, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, make sure to leave a review. We'll shout you out next week. And if you want to support the show, I will drop the PayPal link down below. And then eventually that PayPal link will become part of our Patreon. And Patreon, I'm just, I'm super stoked to start a Patreon because I feel like the possibilities are endless. Maybe we can do vasectomy related crimes <laughs> boner crimes. Yeah, boner related crimes. I'm sure there's so much out there. Yeah, Bob it. Bobbit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if there's any cases you want us to cover, too, then let us know. But um, until next week. Bye. Goodbye.
That doesn't work. <laughs> Lame. Should I leave that in? <laughs> All right, you bye. You thought you were so cool. You're like, Ooh. Uh. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.